Oh, fucking boy. Everybody, it is. Is it worse than 311? And we have a super, super, super special episode for you. Uh, uh, we're, we're gonna, we're gonna cover Sufjan Stevens. Soup, soup can, soup can. can Stevens. Yeah, yeah, the. Sufjan, soup can. Multi-instrumentalist, indie darling, uh, he won awards, right? Award-winning, uh, cross-genre, um, celebrated artist. You know what, hold on, I'm just gonna. Here's what I gotta do. Ah, uh, we're gonna break. The reason this is so special is because I'm gonna break the normal template here, and I'm gonna give my review, not my review so much, but I gotta say the good stuff first. Because if I just go into this, what's gonna happen is I'm just gonna start raging and complaining nonsense for a long time. And anything good I say, you're not gonna hear. You're gonna skim right over and just think that guy hates. Sophie and Stevens. So everybody else is excluded from this, but I'm just going to say this right out the bat. Before you hear me say anything else about this artist, Sophie and Stevens is not worse than 311, okay? It's one of those. It's not worse than 311. Sophie and Stevens, uh, he, he's definitely skilled as a multi-instrumentalist. He has produced uh, somewhat, and a little debatably, and we'll get into that, independently, record after record by himself that he continues to do almost a good portion of, of the music by himself entirely. That's impressive. He has broken out into, uh, done art films, he has done soundtracks and compositions for other people, contributed to other people's works, co uh, collaborations all across the board, continuously skipping genres and going back to genres that he had experimented with early on. Uh, he definitely delivers a quality to his albums that I believe most people would stereotypically describe as lush. Uh, he's very good at getting very pretty sounds. It's all very bright and seems very well recorded. Uh, I've got a whole list of talking points here. He does do technically decent work. So before... I go off on any other kind of rant about this artist, know that I do have some respect for their craft. That being said, holy fuck, Robert, what the fuck did you fucking do to me, man? This was a fucking test. Holy fucking God, dude. Every fucking album's like an hour and a half. For what? For what? Ugh. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to back that up, man. I was like, okay, I can handle this. Let's see how many more. Holy shit, there's that much fucking more? And then you're just like, ah. Uh. And I'll, I'll admit, there's a couple times where I started to kind of dig it. And then he starts singing. And then I'm like, nope. <laughs> uh, Robert, you have a... A history with with this artist. You you're a big fan, right? Or a fan? You're a yeah. fan at least. Uh, yeah, I'm and, a big fan. Have been for a long and, time. And starting with, I mean, uh, I'm not sure when do when do you think you came across Sufjan Stevens? Because that's a it's a Michigan so, artist. 
So when I was in a freshman year of college and my music of choice was still new metal, uh, my very, in the very beginning, I, I, I took a, I took a poetry workshop and one of the kids in that class in the first semester was like, Hey, you're from Michigan. Check this CD out. I burned from this artist from Michigan and gave me the Michigan album. And, um, at that point, I was starting to uh, get into stuff like new pornographers and built to spill on the shins. So like really upbeat, gleeful pop music. I mean, built to spill is not in that category, but definitely new pornographers and the shins are. Well, um, and built to spill does have some stuff that's not like they can be slowed down, and, but they they have a tendency yeah, to be a little more regularly. complex and, and mathy yep. than say the shins or the new pornographers. But they all do have like more complex structure for pop music either way my point being here is i was moving out of that sort of new metal phase into the like indie rock of college phase can and I this just person quick, me, can, i never yeah. knew can i just step back because i didn't know anything about you listening to new metal uh can i just what was what what if, favorite if the, band which yeah which one or two new metal bands are we talking about here go oh i i saw system of down three or four times live i saw system of down with slipknot i saw system of down with clutch i saw system of a down with uh mars volta those are all Um, really good shows i went to the uh, system of down mars volta show as well different city more than likely but yeah I Great mean, show. The, I, I I was really into System of a Down. I think I I got into System of a Down in like two thousand, like my ninth or tenth grade, like when Toxicity came out, and then I went back to their first album, and and then from there I was listening to like anything from uh, goofy ones like Slipknot or American Head Charge to like cheesy pop stuff like Chevelle. You know, like I was listening to like Hoobastank. <laughs> I was corny, dude. Like that was that was high school. Um, I know. And then I eventually. Know no offense to this person, but I do know somebody who legit listened to Chevelle as like their number one top band. I think at the time that band only had like one album and they just listened to it for like five, six years straight. Uh, no offense to them, but you like what you like. But hey. I, I like to this day, it's like, wow, that's a, that's a, that's a preference right there. <laughs> I mean, I think that I think that in high school, because I, I was surrounded by my sister's tastes in a real way, like I definitely made my own choices, but um, my sister's room was silver and she had uh, Marilyn Manson and Rob Zombie and White Zombie and would like blast that shit from her room and rage against the machine and stuff. So like I was like soft getting that. But like before they were listening to that, we were listening to like Ace of Bass and Spice Girls and stuff. So I sort of had this eclectic really poppy side that I was involved with inadvertently because of family members. And then I had the like, check this out. This is really hard shit. And so I sort of started gravitating towards the hard shit. But anyway, System of a Down is definitely my favorite and I still like them today. I don't care what anyone says. I think that they're, uh, they're a fun, goofy rock band. Uh, that's, that's, but yeah. that's a, that's a, that's a, uh, acceptable new metal. Yeah. Well. Like, like preferred band uh, right, uh, least, that's the one. Know, Fav- one of my favorite like memories 5, one of my favorite mm. memories is to the soundtrack of fucking system of i remember down. power man <laughs> tearing out of the fucking courtroom or courtroom parking lot <laughs> fucking smoking a joint after getting out probation listening to listening fuck this to- listening to fuck the system by system of a down yeah I thought that shit was so badass, and weren't we in a fucking Ford Festiva? Ford Festiva. So that's like not bad, you know. There's like nothing no, badass. There's no, there's like a roller no skate and the badassness cops are like, at all. They're just like, <laughs> okay, and we're just <laughs> like, 
tearing the fuck out. Skates. <laughs> like, Bye, dudes with terrible taste in metal. Fucking, you we know, know exactly where you live. Uh, <laughs> fucking just tearing on that fucking joint too. That was like a split. So, I mean, man. anyway, you put System of a Down bumping in your speakers in any car, and you're tough, dude. That's like, I mean, that's the equivalent of like <laughs> listening to like like really loud rap music somewhere else depending on who you are what you are like i mean if i like like as a goofy 14 year old i was like oh i'm so hard dude with my like i was driving like the hooptiest of cars it was uh it had no shocks the window was blown out and had a blue tarp in it uh, it was a it was like a 1989 uh th- Plymouth or something like that. It was a van. It was so skeezy, dude. And we'd throw on some su- uh, stuff, Jan. Sorry, yeah, some system of a down or something like that. And like me and my buddies, no drifting on the highway, no shocks in, in Grand Rapids, dude. But, so, yeah. so for you though, um, around that time, what, so 2003. That's about. You know. It was 2004, five. It was 2004. It was the the end of 2000. Yeah, we've been in the end of 2004. The Michigan, the Michigan album was definitely, I feel like, when people that were paying attention to the music scene were starting to, um, that was the one that really broke him through. And, right, uh, right. Go, going back and, and listening to, like, I don't know, I didn't, this is one where, you know, I focused so much, and I I really did, I sat down and listened to so, so, so much of this, but I didn't really try and find any demos. I feel like maybe there aren't. Maybe he just kind of like collected them and put them out with random collections and and B sides and stuff like that. But, what? I, mean, uh, I thought the whole thing was he, he just made fucked a pretty around. Big trans- Did he just like fuck around in college and then like and while he was there, that's when he put out that first album was just like shit that he was doing. So he 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 released two albums before Michigan. Um, and well, yeah, yeah, I'm talking about. I think Here, that- here's the sun or whatever. Like uh, uh, he released that, sun, yeah. Uh, a sun came up. Yeah, there you the go. Like he released that when he was album. like still in college. Like, like so maybe that's like the one where it's like. Well, he re- recorded and... a good good portion of that, I think, at the college too. But he yeah. also claims that that one was recorded entirely on a four track. Which, like, yeah, Wait. sure, buddy. I guess at some point maybe like the mixing board was dragged into a fucking four track or whatever. But four tracks don't sound like that, that by that themselves. Fucking, okay, you had yeah. some fucking equipment, buddy. I mean, that yeah, sounded really clean. Say, that yeah, that didn't sound, say, four tracks have lo-fi. I mean, that's the whole yep. deal with four track is they sound lo-fi. And then Sun came, but also the if the one we listened oh. to was a reissue. There, sure, I mean, if you listen to the one on Spotify, yeah. the, the actual original version does not sound like that. The original mm-hmm. recording is pretty gruff. Got a lot more hiss and stuff to it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah but it still seems like it's a really, really clean sounding album. But, uh, you know, for uh, somebody in college to do that by themselves and for this, that album in itself, I did find interesting that it's it's almost like a 70s hippie Middle Eastern sounding, <laughs> like lots of flute. Like, yeah. like, like yeah. fancy, twirly Renaissance flute in the background, which is kind of cool. If, uh, if I, I just, I couldn't dig into too much of what, I couldn't vibe with what he was doing. I don't like his vocals, so that really hurts it. And then he says he's not necessarily Christian, but he's definitely uh, very influenced that, by, yeah. by Christian theology. And he comes from a Christian liberal arts school, <sighs> Catholic 
Is it or Hope, is it Hope College? I think is is uh, is a Catholic school. I believe. Yeah. It's so, also, he went to a Catholic high school. I think somewhere at some point. It gets. I have a hard time getting past it. Uh, when I'm listening listening to a song, I'm like, man, I don't know. I'm kind of iffy on everything. Then all of a sudden, he's like, and Abraham, come. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, oh, okay. You're going to give me a Bible lesson right now in the middle of this song that I thought was about you. I don't know. Yes, Crowder, jerking you Jerking off it. to somebody that you're fucking but thinking you... about from your fucking theology class, you fucking. But you need oh. this Bible lesson right Holy now, Crowder. God, on every fucking album. Well, every I mean, album i mean i can't i can't I, he absolutely has i'm in mean, he's a christian he absolutely has said that he doesn't consider his music christian music as what he says in that, no like, but that's what I, people I that are like uber christian do is they make music and they don't consider it christian they just make music. well no i mean but i i, I literally <laughs> grew up in a, in a conservative church that believes there's only twelve thousand years that the earth has existed like i've listened to christian music and boy oh this is nothing like christian music if you've actually listened to some fucking christian rock albums or east west or fucking uh any yeah, number yeah, of the, yeah. the, the what the soup boys or whatever the fuck they're called like take me to your leader shit you this is not like that i mean most of the stuff is personal reflections and i get it like and i'm this is this is the the one thing that any person can can say to me about stuff jen sees and i'll go you're right and i and i'm not gonna default default you that if that's the way you feel is that his lyrics have a tendency to lean towards jesus-y shit and it's like in me me my ex-partner and i always used to think when we'd hear those lyrics as him talking about his gay lover because i've always assumed stuff jan was gay i don't think he's i don't think that he's ever said he was i don't know if he actually is but i just assumed that a lot like it's like they're like tender love songs to his boyfriend Uh, what i thought he came out did he well i i have never maybe so it's part of i didn't look and so i don't just from what i've heard and understood i i kind of gather that impression as well so it'd be really interesting so but but I mean, like a lot of his songs, like you know, are are like singing about a man in a lot in a real way, and so that's like whenever it gets super Jesusy, and you're like, this is clearly about Jesus. Like sometimes I just like, no, oh, he's talking about his it, boyfriend. It was about Jesus. <laughs> but you know, either way, I, I you know, and, and that to me was like cool, interesting. Also, like you know, he's the kind of guy that like writes pride songs and stuff. So like, I mean, out of Christians, like I'm not. I, I I don't I don't beef with Christians because I like I said I grew up in the farthest right side Christian church so hearing a dude like this is not offensive to me I know the Christians that are offensive I've met them I've lived with them I've been in the muck with them like sure, this yeah. dude is light this dude is feather light so like if you're gonna run to Jesus everywhere you go in this world it's impossible not to so this dude's like in my mind personally and I I can see where you guys are, are coming from and by all means tear it apart but for me it's the lightest fucking christian shit ever so see for me that's where i start getting into problems especially when uh like so that 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 album's whatever a four track album uh, a sun came yeah yeah he got the fact that it got released and the way that he went about getting his record company and releasing it i'm a little iffy about and a little weird With about the giving, kitty or whatever that, that's the name of it. Terrible name. I don't get it. Uh, fucking the um, the fact that like he comes from supposedly comes from Detroit, which usually when most people say that coming from Michigan, I know that that means I grew up in the suburbs <laughs> and I visit Detroit on the weekends when I'm not scared. 
going um, to the going to the Tigers games. And then they move up to Petoskey, which is real close to the Upino. It's right up there. That's vacation home territory. And it's like you kind of got some money. And then I find out that his stepdad owns the fucking record company. And it kind of gets to be like, okay, well, yeah, all right. And he's all Christian and shit. And it's kind of like, man, I know he seems like he's like like a progressive Christian. And that, that he's putting this like, hey, I'm very altruistic and very, I'm doing good things here. I'm not trying to be a fucking sleazy douchebag, but everything I see about it to me looks like he's taking that and just using it to get people to pay him money so that he can have more money and promote his fucking shitty rich Christian family. And I just don't fucking, ah, it leaves me at this place with my fucking hands tied because I've worked in that scene because I've played music for like you know the next like the next iteration of these Michigan fucking folk art indie pop fanboys, and I can't fucking stand them. They just have their fucking claws in every fucking aspect of that fucking state. You can't get a fucking gig without knowing the right fucking manager. You're not gonna fucking sell anything if you don't have a fucking banjo and a goddamn fiddle in it. And you better whisper sing and never fucking fluctuate your voice too fucking much. And you better make goddamn sure that those songs don't have any offensive messages that you can understand. So you know if you keep them kind of like. I was jerking off while you were looking at your cell phone. Maybe I won't notice. You can play the microbrewery. You fuck. I, I mean, this is the thing. is I tried to look up uh, anything about Sufjan St- Stevens' family, and I could not find anything on the internet. So, I mean, if you're if, if this is information oh, you found on the internet and you read about, I'd be curious because what I found was very little about his actual family. So I can't even speak to what kind of money they had or where they're from they're i mean my understanding from the interviews i've read and the i mean i've spent much time listening to this dude's music i you know i'm i'm in the a different category than you guys are you this is your 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 painful time through but i mean i got the sense he was up middle class to upper middle class which is like where i come from you know i'm middle i my family's middle class from grand rapids michigan west western michigan tends to be more conservative than, than the eastern side and you know, his mom was like a schizophrenic. Uh, I don't know that that record label when it started out was super small. I don't get the imp- impression that it was like a huge record label. And my understanding is starting a record label is not insane. Um, Suff Jan Stevens got famous off the Michigan album for a number of reasons. One of them being he w- was Pandering. like, I'm going to do this gimmick. Um which he, 50 which he states, said, y'all. he said that he was going to, he, he literally <laughs> said it was a gimmick throughout, I mean, uh, the, the the amount of time and also that he made the Illinois album is goofy because the Michigan album might have already existed you know keeps, before they decided they were going to do the gimmick you know you so. know what trips me the fuck out though is everywhere it's listed as Illinois but on the fucking cover album it said Illinois because it has sure. the feel fucking the Illinois. it wants come feel the Illinois exactly but why is it why is the album name Illinois like the state but then you literally have a fucking Z on that, and it says Illinois going with the whole thing of like people that don't know how to pronounce the state. Like I get it, but like, why? Like why is it different? Everywhere I saw, it was like I, I saw Illinois playing with the. So, that. I mean his his song titles have like sixty five words in them. So oh yeah, I mean, there's that one fucking so one. There's that one that's literally a fucking sentence, and I'm like, really. Are you fucking really serious? It's like longer than a sentence. Yeah. It's like a a run-on sentence if you're fucking getting into 
Uh, it, well, I, I, uh, we got real quick though before Michigan, he put out an album really? that en- enjoy your rabbit. That um, there is very little I can say bad about it other I was than the just fucking gonna... choice of synthesizers that were done and the fact that it seems like he kind of doesn't necessarily know how to fucking mix the electronic stuff correctly at the time. But there was a lot of really neat glitchy stuff uh some of the fucking the bright bubblegummy dreamy poppy stuff that happens in that i don't dig too much it kind of reminds me a little bit of like i don't want to say the postal service but i'm gonna say it because they're electronic and poppy and something people would catch on to and same time to. period too Dude, yeah i mean as, roundabouts hands down that album i was gonna agree with as or say something as well like the electronica shit he gets into like that glitchy uh stuff and, it has yeah. super awesome potential. Um, potential. Yeah. Enjoy your rabbit. They don't enjoy your rabbit. He doesn't bring in any of the lyrics or any of the vocals. Nope. And the That's... only the only thing that that I could that really kind of miffed me about it that made it kind of like Sufjan Stevensy is he had this he forced a fucking concept onto it. And this concept is the Chinese New the Year, Zodiac? Chinese calendar. Zodiac. Yeah, yeah. And that, but he starts the album off with the song about his record company, and he ends the album off with the song about God. And it's like, dude, you could have just, <laughs> you could have just cut those out, cut those, release those songs as singles, man. Put them as B sides, like. I don't need, and it was like an hour and a half long. You could have made it forty fucking minutes, you know. So, uh, well, other than that, though, there's there's definitely, I'd say if you're like, um, there's there's bands nowadays, I, I'd compare some of the sounds that they used to Igloo Ghost, uh, some of it's a little bit like Motmo, some of it's a little bit like uh, Lola Tone, and, and I would definitely, if you like those bands, go listen to this, and if you like that album, go listen to those bands. Um, really interesting to see him go from that, like, psych rock kind of folky thing into that, and then all of a sudden he decides that you know what people in Michigan love? It's shit about Michigan. And mm-hmm. it's true, right? Moms and dads in Michigan, you tell them. Oh, they ain't that shit. Oh, they're uh-huh. like, oh my God, there's a song about the UP? Oh my God. You, put, you made mittens that have a map of the state on it. Oh my God. Oh, oh I'm going to put those, will be up on my store coming up. I mean, um, we're also from we're also from Michigan, so, so like some of the things that like would be immediately glaring. Like, I I look I went back to the vague. lyrics and wow. I, I went back to the lyric lyrics and because uh, we were talking we're talking specifically about like Muskegon for the unemployed and underpaid or whatever, <laughs> yeah, uh, like stuff like that. It that that does not bum me out or make me feel any way about stuff. Jan Stevens in two thousand three, someone writing about Muskegon at all. Ever like no one has heard of Muskegon. We know what Muskegon is. We know what P- uh, Petoskey is. We know what Tequamanon Falls is. Most sure, of these sure, people sure. Yep. are getting this album and have no fucking clue what's going on. And also, Ma- Michigan is like a raggedy ass state with like unemployment rates and problems. And like, I mean, most of his shit is like self reflective. Jesus, I love Jesus, and I love uh, the experience I've had in my in the world. Like, oh, and most of it is like he's he's like twee, dude. He's like he's so he's like he's precious. He sings precious lyrics, and uh, mad folks 
hate that. Yeah. Right, yeah. I don't hate that. I, I think that I, lo- I love I love the way his voice sounds. So for I, me, like, automatically, that that makes me happy about hearing his voice, even if it's just, like, him repeating three words over and over again, which he does. He does. So, uh, so okay, some points, though. Uh, first thing, since you brought up the voice, I am going to say, uh, up until way later, he won't stop overdubbing himself, and it bums me out real hard. It makes it hard for me to listen to anything. Because every single time there's five different hymns layered on top of each other, it comes and goes. It's from some, it's certain albums a little bit less, but in Michigan and and Illinois, come on, feel the Illinois. It's, come on, uh, feel uh, that Illinois, bro. It's there, and there's always like this giant choir behind him. And I'm not always big on the fucking big vocal things, so the fact that he uses it so heavily for so long, it does bum me out because I do think that he could or and probably does have a really good voice depending on what it's working with. Uh, for the Michigan thing, one of, one of my bigger problems with that album and the fact that it was supposed to be a concept album about Michigan, that they, sure, yeah, it's got, it's cool, it's got, you're right. There you're just naming areas. About, Look out. Oh, fucking, but they're not, but it's not saying fucking jack shit. Like, these songs yep. aren't about that. I don't know, like, like you said, most of them are kind of introspective, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and like, yeah, it's just drop the fucking, just put the city name in the middle of your fucking song where you were talking about, and I get, he's from there, so like, some of it's like, yeah, yeah, maybe he mentioned Detroit because he was, he had a thing that happened in Detroit, maybe that's, that's real, what but it just getting at like, with the whole Anthony Kiedis and Red Hot Chili Pepper thing, but like, it you're just like fucking name dropping were like the all state. over the place. You're trying yeah, to just like, say like California when, when over Anthony and over. Kiedis Everybody knows that Anthony Kiedis fucking loves California and will not shut up about California. And when they do it, it's like him being like, I'm super happy. And and with Sufjan, it was like, this is, you know, Michigan. the concept of the album. And so, fuck, I wrote this really touching song here and I forgot to put anything about Michigan in it. So let's just shoehorn that right in there. And oh, by the way, it's going to sound like Christmas. Why does that album sound like Christmas music, Robert? <laughs> There's, uh, there's. I think that that album he uh, does a lot with um, wind chimes, which I dug. That's something that I actually enjoy on that album a lot. I think, I mean, I, I think that 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 there's there are there are plenty of mentions of the state. Like in Detroit, he he rattles off things about Detroit, and like in the Upper Peninsula song, he talks about driving a snowmobile as your car and like wearing a Payless shoes because it's all there is around in the area. Like. Strip the strip mall, uh, Michigan that we all know, like where 28th Street really does litter the world of Michigan in the smaller towns and some of these smaller places. Like, I get it. Like, I mean, and and you know that none of none of that like rubs rubs me in my in my craw. Like for the, his whole career, all he does is sing about like uh, touching little moments he has with people, and and oh, that I mean, say little boys. his career, that's what he's been doing. And at that point, that's like him solidifying that because it's his first real album. A Sun Came is like an experiment a kid did in college that has like no correct direction. Like that goes and too everywhere. Many instruments. Like, yeah, I mean, but like there's like the Middle Eastern vibes sometimes, and then there's the weird fluty stuff, and there's like some of the things that he solidified, like the operatic and large orchestral sounds in that album. But uh, Michigan was like a solidification of a style. Like that's his first album in my mind. But you know, the previous two albums he dabbled in a variety of folky traditional styles, and then the electronic album, and then and then Michigan dropped. Well, then. Um, uh... Age of Ads actually had a few tracks that uh, were a little 
on that glitchy kind that's of like, like later later in though that's that's well like, i know it's it's past the michigan obviously it's like it's way 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 past I mean, but that's where well, i felt like there was like a decent like oh shit change to me like like having listened to all of them including those goddamn it, it, christmas albums what the you listen to the Christmas albums, huh? Oh, I skimmed through I them. I skimmed through them just because I was like, all right, how are they going to be? What's the difference? I if bet it's they're really Christ- good Christmas songs. They're actually, actually really, really good. good. <laughs> if it's Christmas really, time, really he f- nails that feeling hands down. Like, I'm not going to lie. Some of my favorite songs are on his Christmas I'm not going to lie. Like, I'm going to add that for Christmas plays for the kids because it just really does have that beautiful, just soft, Somber Christmas tone, and fucking yeah. great, <laughs> yeah, I know, fucking right? Great guys, what fucking about, awesome. But what am oh, I? That's what I fucking started a music podcast for. It's true, <laughs> but what am I gonna say? Other than like, um, other than that, it's fucking June, and, it's good. I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm sure it's good because Michigan and sounds like Christmas music, and, and it's, I'm you like, know, it, cool. Well, I don't need to listen to all this right now. I'm just gonna save it for when it's fucking Christmas time. Because we need. I, yeah. I definitely think that uh, Robert, you're right with Michigan being more like his first album, and I almost feel like the fact that he followed it up with Seven Swans was for him to establish, hey, there's a chance that you will see me, and I will be picking a guitar, and that's what you're gonna get. Um, and I think that's probably a good move for a solo musician like that. And the fact that it was that Seven Swans was so um, Christian driven. Yeah, uh, that one's really Christian. <laughs> yeah. I myself found the folk stylings of that one a little too boring for me to actually sit through. Um, but I did feel like he played more towards what was more genuine for him and what was more interesting to him. Whereas he had just done this fucking, uh, you know, concept album of Michigan that he had to go over the top on, this one he didn't. And then moving that into the Illinois, which, which Illinois is when you can tell he's starting to try and bring some of that big orchestra stuff, mm-hmm. some of the Huge. experimental stuff yep. into the idea of doing a guitar or banjo, just string orientated written songwriting structure of a song um there's some really interesting sounds in that album and the flourishes in the background like the things that are happening outside of really what he's he's where you're like centered on like his melodies and stuff there's a lot of really interesting instrument instrumentation in the background (laughs) yeah absolutely uh and i i also felt like the lyrics on that one were more centered towards the actual spots and things that happened in that state, whereas yep. Michigan was more of an emotional album. Um, hmm. to, to some fault and to some betterment of the album, as, as like, except for the like rhyming and Decatur, that one just got well, a little. <laughs> I was like, really? Well, you keep rhyming with all of it in this one has some of that, like, he's kind of like depressed Paul McCartney. You know, he does those whimsical granny songs, and there's a lot of that, like, that was pretty clever, right? Look how long this title is. It's goofy. I fucking, hey, I told you guys I was going to do more state albums. I did it. It's goofy. Look at it. That's number two, bitches. Yeah, and that's that's the end. But 
And that's another one where it's long, and then they put out they put out a whole second album afterwards of of just shit. Outtakes. Yeah, and I uh, it did it does feel like the beginning of his career, just trying to pump out stuff, and I kind of feel like he hurt himself with. I uh, I don't think any other music critic will go back and say that necessarily. No, but I I really 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 do feel like Sufjan Stevens albums could have all been divided up into two albums or cut like a good 30 minutes out of and really gotten to the heart of something and made something that I would have been able to digest a little bit easier. Um I guess that doesn't matter though because they're not my albums and you know I'm just so uh I I definitely found the sound change and the dynamic of the sounds that that were being presented in Come On Feel the Illinois um, did sort of warm me up for Age of Ads. <coughs> and when I said it's later on, he has that five-year gap where it's just the Christmas album, which is on the Christmas album is mostly recorded <coughs> well before, right? Well, so the Christmas, well, the Christmas the ad, for anyone who doesn't too. know, the Christmas albums, he did started this project at a, the same time as the sun came. So in 2000, well, it, enjoy your rabbit, 2001. But like, I think like he was still maybe playing with Marzuki at that point, which was, it was with his brother and some other musicians in the Hope College area before he moved to New York, I think. But like he decided to do a project where every year he would do an EP of Christmas songs, which he did for 10 years. So there's the okay. first five EPs, which are 2001 through five, I believe, or O through four. He released that in 2006 as a package deal. And then the uh, Silver and Gold is released up and through 2010, I think. So that project is like Suf Jan Stevens doing Christmas music hilariously each year through that entire decade. Sure, okay. But well, that, for the most part... He also had like, a, the Avalanche, too, or some shit like that. That's, where... that's, the, that's all the fucking left. Those are outtakes. I know, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, the Avalanche isn't canon. Uh, I, like, I mean, <laughs> Suf Jan canon is really actually much smaller than... Are you telling uh, me that the whole Chicago adult contemporary mix is just outtakes? <sighs> the, the Avalanche, the, avalanche <laughs> uh, the greatest gift... Uh, I mean, all, his side projects, like, really, he's only... Like, solo Suf Jan is only, like, eight albums. Right. Yep. Seven. But then he well, does all the other stuff that he does. But well, yeah. and that, that's in that. So in that five year break is when he makes the. I didn't BQE. watch it. The BQE, which I thought was really interesting uh, orchestration. It's interesting that he do something that he has to sit down and write musically. You know, like write. You have to write that shit for somebody. You have to hand it to. You can read it and play it. It's not like he was just like, yeah, you make it go. That's not gonna fucking fly. So uh, interesting to see him. That's that's a step towards like uh, knowing being a professional musician you know <laughs> like it's a, a impressive a step composer and, yeah yeah, yeah and, and the fact that he's pairing it with his own art film uh, the only my only thing about it that confuses me is that it's about the brooklyn queens express <laughs> what the fuck does that have to do with Sufjan stevens but that's chill well, he moved, he moved to New York, New York. after yeah. Hope College, and he lived in New York City, so he lived in Brooklyn, and so mm -hmm. the Brooklyn Queens oh, Express okay. was a, a, okay, that, a that piece sense. of road he used. Yeah, I mean, I just figure if you're a fucking traveling musician at this point, he's been traveling for like 
he's probably been going around for at least five years, you know, ten years or so. Well, no, he's close to it. So that was a big deal when he moved to New yeah, York. Yeah, but I mean, his, a, his home has been New York for the last two decades. I mean, Just, he is whatever saw no, it, it's all like talking about like I moved. <laughs> Move to New York in a van. He's producing national shit. albums. Your other favorite band. <laughs> oh, are they from New York too? Um, I think so. Is that why Taylor Swift knows them? It sounds right. I mean, yeah, they're sing- they sing songs about New York stuff. I guess. Yeah, in, I'm the, sure. in the Taylor Swift oh, song man. "Welcome to New York," I wasn't thinking about this when we did the episode. But is that somebody talking to her saying "Welcome to New York," or is she saying, She's saying "Welcome, Welcome to, New to New York"? To other people. Yeah, she just got there though. Didn't she just? Didn't she move there? Didn't she just, yeah. Okay, it doesn't matter. But she, oh. but her family lived in the area, so she'd been there, you know, for her pre her preschool um, acting and music lessons. Right. right. Yeah, but still, like, so, as soon as you start at young visiting, people's Juilliard or whatever, probably know it better than other people visiting. So you're like, I'm better than so, you. Anyways, he makes this art film, blah blah blah, uh, and then comes Age of Ads. So what you were saying, Perry, with a being refreshing to you, I it was a little taken aback by this album because the way it starts, uh, the production of it works incredibly good with his voice. And what I've said before is that I don't like the way he mixes his voice with his fucking music, right? Uh, the first track on this album, though, is like, wow, there's, these strings don't sound like... Like, there's a little edge to these strings, and that's interesting. You don't usually do that. There's some, like, electronic stuff coming in with the strings, which is interesting. You don't usually do that. And your vocals, with all the overdubs and all the reverb and everything on top of it, fits right in there. It feels like you are sitting in a crazy psychedelic room that I've never experienced before. And then the next song comes up, and it's like, what is this uneven shit? Mm -hmm. Like, I I applaud his attempts. And it's a little more controlled and refined than the um, previous electronic attempt, the one about the rabbit. Uh, but to me, it was just a little. Well, this one has the vocals, yeah, because uncontrolled. Uh, the the rabbit one was the first one that I correlated as soon as I started listening to this one. Uh, well, I think there's a, a couple other tracks on whatever albums that had some segments that were like okay. And then whatever, but like the the Age of Ads was the one that I was like, there's a couple tracks where I was like, oh shit, like this is legit, like okay, I can see where you can kind of go with this and build with it. Uh, but then my opinion, uh, he started singing with some of them, um, and <laughs> it just killed it for me. It really killed it for me. Like like he has that voice. Like like I said, like the Christmas album, like. I will probably play that during Christmas. Uh, that voice just is somber and has these gotcha. like drawn, like like drawn out, like just like kind of slow. And when I like it, look like look at certain beats and and, and certain tones of uh, al- uh, music, especially like age of ads. There was a couple tracks on there where it was like, yeah, man, like if he had just changed a little mixing or sped up or something with his vocals. It may have played better, and and I, I don't know. But there was a couple times where it was just like, cool, and then, oh, oh, okay. So <laughs> I think I think this 
I mean, oh, this album opens with Feudal Devices, which I, is one yeah. of my favorite songs. It's a super laid back spare track. It's, I saw I this live. I really, saw this that, live set. That's the and, track that uh, made me go, "Okay, what's going on here?" Yeah, I saw this live set. I saw his live set, and and he's got it. It, it was all eighties neon retro colors, dancing girls, like three or four dancers, two drum sets. 12 musicians on stage and for that song everyone got off the stage the lights got like turned up a little bit and he played by himself like the first track is him Uh, on guitar like that's the first track and then it drops into whatever the rest of the album is was just sort of like electronic psychedelic shit in a way and like i mean like some goofy experimental experimentation with both the instrumentation and the electronics that he uses throughout the album. I mean, the last track right. is 25 minutes, and for my, for wh- whether you like the track or not, I love it. It's the cheapest uh, album-long play I can put on at a bowling alley, because I'm that fucking guy. But I love... Amazing. I love that track all the way through. I love that it's five movements. I think that it's amazing. I think that uh, you know he he like he likes to experiment and he likes to do long form projects. Which it, to Crowder's chagrin and yours, I, it, see, it seems like the length of these projects annoy the shit out of you. But for me, being a dead ass. <laughs> lusty boy for Sufjan like love that man like take me out on a date Sufjan like give me 25 minute tracks and I honest to God will put on Impossible Soul after this and cry because of how much you hurt my feelings in Sufjan's but I mean I think I think that uh, you know I think that I think that uh, that album is an interesting turn for his career in general because uh, you know he's Sufjan by 2010 dude that dude could do whatever the fuck he wanted in 2010 and he did he released that album alongside All Delighted People at the same time, which is more like his other stuff, well, his previous efforts. But, you know, that album was a bit weird. I thought it was amazing, but I'm a Suff Jane fanboy, so... For me, the album was... Uh, what was that Bjork album? Volta? Oh, yeah, It was yeah. like a weird take on Volta. It was like... A weird take on Radiohead's Kid A, Amnesiac. Okay, um, cool. I wasn't tripping out. Like I, I felt very, uh, yeah, very like he Radiohead was vibes. From those, like he was just taking those sounds and trying to be Radiohead. Uh, yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> which I, that's fine. But more than that, you know what it sounded like to me was uh, later Beck that I don't enjoy. <laughs> Um, a lot of the, like, goofy synthesizer drum machine sounds reminded me of some Beck. And these are all good, you know, by the way, these are, like, it didn't play well for me, but that's not a bad thing. You know, saying that he sounded like Bjork Radiohead and Beck is, like, fucking, if that's your jam, go fucking listen to this album. I thought Age of Ads was a very adventurous step. I thought that it did show growth in his use of the electronics, and the uh, willingness to do the long form is impressive. I do love a long form song, although that one to me, uh, the whole big, one of my big gripes on this album is, again, why are there so many fucking people singing? You get to a big fucking choir build up, it's a thing. That song also kind of seemed to me like, um, because I've worked so much with like, blocking out tracks and stuff onto a fucking grid of a beats, block beats per minute. You know, it seemed to me like it was 
something where he just had like a locked grid and was like, okay, everything goes here and I can just click, click and move this around. Not that I necessarily think that's entirely how it went. Oh, Robert left. Oh, he was uh, sad. I hope So definitely though, um, Age of Age of Ads is still a big step for this artist. It's a and huge one in my opinion. Like from All what, the delighted what, people. I so I think I'm just really disappointed by my lack of the ability to get into Sufi. Because there is <laughs> A lot of admirable points. Mm -hmm. The All Delighted People EP, the fact that there are three songs on it that are seven, eight, nine, ten, fifteen minutes long, uh, really, really interesting. The fact that it has a sound to me that sounds like an indie rock band, finally, which would which works for him. You know, for me, the his acoustic stuff, like, I get that that's what you are, that you're the solo artist, but dude, it's kind of cool when you when you get like some drums that have some liveliness. And, break away from your mode of going from slow to medium slow uh which with the electronic stuff he gets out of he usually gets a little bit faster with electronic which is nice but the, the all delighted people one uh my only problem with that was the between the two minute songs like, okay i like the weird adventurous ones a little bit more and they're still sufian steven um definitely would put that one though if you can, if you like Sufjan Stevens, definitely go listen to the Old Delighted People EP. It's not Absolutely. an EP. It's a full no. length album. It's mm -hmm. 60 minutes. <laughs> yeah, what like... is it? Well, so, okay. okay, hold on a second, too. For, for this 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 time period, like, in the, 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 the his previous three projects, like, Illinois is the one, I think, and still to this day, maybe other than Carrie and Lowell, is, like, the project. Like, everyone sees Sufjan Stevens as Illinois, so, like, he disappears for five years. He does that BQE project, which is like, you know, I don't think a lot of people heard. I, I no. was like, what's no. what's going on with this when it came out? That's and I was still a, a pretty big fan at the time. But, like, he really does change his vocal range. Like, he's more, like, in his earlier albums, he's, like, softly, sadly singing along to, like, fit the locations that are in Illinois. Whereas on these albums, he sort of gets gruff. Like, he's sort of, like... He really like shouts more in this album. Like his singing changes, in my mind, pretty drastically in comparison. And I thought that like his his passionate. Uh, I mean the stuff the stuff that I like, which is the sort of um, anthemic, large, swelling sounds that reach a pitch with him like singing something emotional, which is the thing that you guys don't like, but the thing that I like. He in this in these albums he like gets the sort of like I'm not fucking around shit like he says fuck which is hilarious because Sufjan Stevens shouldn't say fuck but yeah, like it's he, very his comical. voice he, it's it's like it's like there's like a growl rasp to it you know it's like he's actually putting some fucking uh, like it's not him pretending to be excited it's him being excited about it which I I thought was an, an enjoyable next step in his in his vocal progression at least um, which he's maintained I think through the rest of his career. I, I do think that his vocals tend to get better with the album. Uh, it, I don't... He's more confident. Him. Yeah, absolutely. There is, I'm trying to find the one, but I've got, I've got four and a half pages. Of, <laughs> so skimming them while yeah, we're talking is not like the easiest. Uh, oh, we've skipped a lot. A lot of it's just big, bold-faced type cursing. Uh, no. But... <laughs> Actually, yeah, no, I know, no, fucking notes. I don't need to sit there and curse to myself. There's some of it in there just for, you know, emphasis. 
Uh, <laughs> Question I, mark? I definitely think I def- there there was one of them in here where where I even wrote it was like, oh, oh, what you? He did a thing with his voice, and it was like he went like, woo. You know, I was like, oh, whoa, you like went up an octave. You fucking like uh, broke okay. out of it. You like did something. And and I remember it being one of the ones too, where I was like, oh, hey, there's only like two of you singing on this track and a little bit of reverb instead of like <laughs> eight of you spread throughout the stereo field just assaulting me with your whispery mid-range stuff so it's uh, this 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 artist's growth is impressive in and of itself if you go through and look at the albums progressing i uh, consistently had more times where i was like more interested later on like as the albums progressed, I, I, I agree. Uh, I got more interested. Um, I think definitely starting at Age of Ads was like the one where I was like, okay, this, this, there's something different going on here. Where versus just well, <laughs> he got, even he got comfortable other, with the idea of being like pop. It's not pop just star. the electronic side of it. It's just it, it's not just keeping like that that sad banjo-y thing throughout the entire album. Like, like having some things and then maybe having a track where it goes into that, like really adds to, uh, I don't know, like, uh, like a path, like throughout the album, right? Like some of those early ones just got me where it's just like, I mean, it, it literally put my ones. fucking kid to sleep. Like we Which, were, it was like five cool. in the afternoon and we're driving that's around. The kind of music to do that too. But I don't want her to sleep, so I had. Well, that's the kind of music to do that. So too, then I right? quickly yeah. had to change it because <laughs> yeah. I was like, "Oh shit, she's sleeping!" And yeah, so it, it does. It did its job in that sense. Napjam, For for me, when it comes to those earlier ones, though, what makes them so drab is that he has a tendency <laughs> to pick a fucking like a picking structure or a strummy structure folk orientated folks folk sounding which is generally you know folk is meant to be for regular folk it's supposed to be kind of a low trodden form of art so the fact that it's kind of simplistic or minimalistic is fine but he keeps doing this like like the moments of compositional brilliance will come through less often it'll be like a song where all of a sudden this thing will have be like wow that was really interesting that you did that and then there'll be like two or three songs where he's doing verse chorus of him picking or strumming with maybe a little bit of accompaniment that comes in and lots of picking verse and you know um he breaks free from that after a while even illinois kind of has some of that even though illinois is adventurous it still kind of gets back mm-hmm. to formula uh age of ads because he hasn't done a full album with singing and the electronics and just being able to cut it up like that with pro tools and everything uh it's an interesting step. It's a really, it's a good step too. I think mm-hmm. that he follows up with the Christmas album, but and now we're gonna. This is the, the interesting one, uh, Sisyphus. Oh man, that album. Or S- alcohol, S- alcohol, S- alcohol, alcohol. Yeah, there's a song called Alcohol, and they there's rapping. Uh, I I thought that it gave him a chance to really uh hone in on those electronic sounds that he was having problems with age of ads has things that happen that you might call glitchy or noisy and i think as somebody that listens to a lot of glitch and noise myself it's like what i like 
He sucks at it. He's really fucking bad at it. He doesn't know what the fuck he's listening to. He's really fucking bad. There's like a fucking static hiss in one fucking speaker that's way louder than everything else. The fucking high end needs to come down. It's supposed to be a snare, but you know, it's electronic, so it sounds weird. And like, it needed to be refined. And when it came down to this of this album, which this album isn't uh, anybody listening, you might have a hard time finding not Sufian Stevens. It's Sufian with... I don't remember who it is. Do you know who they are? Sun Lux is the is the backing band, and then okay. Serengeti is the rapper, and it's a it's an Anticon label, which is like the weird rapper label. Um, who else? Like Dose One, Idea, um, per, uh, Purple pu- uh, Deep Puddle Dynamics, like Bizarro <laughs> rap dudes. What the fuck? Yep. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Wow, yeah, yeah. we're going to awesome. have to talk about that um, at some point. <laughs> so I, I did think it was interesting, Sufjan having a chance to work with somebody else that does electronic music more focused. Uh, I thought it was interesting to hear some of his stuff done with rapping on top of it. I thought the juxtaposition of the indie rock, indie pop choruses, and the rapping was a little off, and some of the subject matter in the rapping was a little goofy. Um, but it's it was fine. It was fun. It's not. I don't. I don't. Booty call. There's a song called Booty Call. That's like there's no hook. It just like goes right. Did I? Am I remembering that right? I or think like, so. Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of parts where it'll be like sort of uh, symphonic bopping or like moving. Like it'll be big poppy choruses, and then the, just the whole fucking beat drops out, and it's only like the drums, and he'll <laughs> rap over it. But I think I think that album to me is goofy because it's like it's like the three of them decided that they were gonna do like a don't do drugs album or like a motivational album, <laughs> which coming from like Suf Jen Stevens is like not even like a that's not even like a hand wag. Like but I don't know enough about the other two dudes to be like, why are you guys doing this like motivational <laughs> take care of your health album? You know, and why is the uh, last song alcohol, alcohol, alcohol? I mean, man. I, I like that I song. Know. That's that, I like that song on that album, but like it also seems like you know it's a song that's like alcohol abuse is bad because it's hurting you. You know, like if you drink too much, you're gonna get hurt. Like, and then I felt like that was sort of the message to the album is like take care of your health. You're, you know, and this is like following on the heels of like he had he was sick for the age of odds period, and that's part of the reason he says that some of his music came out the way it did because he spent a year like ill as fuck. But, um, yeah, Sisyphus was bizarre. It was yeah. a funny... It, your stuff, Jen Stevens, once again, like, in the in the last decade, he could do whatever the fuck he wanted. Like, he's producing national albums, he's producing... Like, he produced, like, and worked on, like, I feel like 20 other albums with 20 other artists. But, like, that one, he was, like, one of the three members, you know? Sure, yeah. So, I skipped that one back in 2014. It was interesting listening to it. <laughs> it it's not a great indie rap album. It's goofy. It's goofy. I don't. Even, I'd never heard Serengeti before in my life. I think, or maybe I had. Oh, but... Okay, yeah. so what what happened? What the fuck happened with the next? Carrie and. No. Oh yeah, his yeah, mom yeah, died. Yeah, yeah. His mom died, and he got okay. sad, and he yeah, wrote no. dead. His mom's dead, and he's sad. Album where which I feel like that. Al- I mean, I think that's probably the the album now. Like, I mean, yeah. for for critics. Carrie and Lowell's the one because it's like mostly a return to his sparse indie folk stuff, but also with slight addition of his electronic elements, but in like whispery, sad, somber ways that are not like in your face. Like 
like like creeping behind the music and like he like a lot of the songs end on sort of a hold note or whatever and moving into the next song but it's like you know a touching sad album about his mom who passed away a couple years before i think the album's great but once again it's because i like these his i like his strum patterns i like his plucking um i think that he does a good job of keeping high and high and low notes flowing over each other on a single instrument I think that, that that stylistically sounds great, and it's like the like walk walking lines when it like follows into the next chord type of stuff. Like I think he does that really well, and so that sort of is easy to sing along with, and like you can feel like because of the way that you know scales work and shit. Crowder obviously like ending on a home note or whatever. Like you get to the part where you're like, oh, you finished, and you're like you're happy about it, and that's you know that's how I feel. And that's that album is just like him being real real sad. Sad, yep. sad Jan Stevens. Definitely him being real sad. Um, it's probably the most real, connected, like, um, of the folky, picky, strummy stuff that he does. The stripped back, picky, folky, strummy stuff. Um, the clean stuff, you know? Uh, fucking, it's the one that I didn't, most of the lyrics that I could catch, I didn't go, oh, come on, man, I'm gonna buy the album, you don't need to fucking throw this gimmicky shit at me, or this goofy fucking, <laughs> isn't that cool shit, and so that's not there, because you really do that when you're writing an album about your dead mom, except for there was when he would, you checked your text while I masturbated, I really yeah. hate that fucking, and that, every light in that song, I was stop come on dude no stop doing that don't you're not edgy that was a jarring line that don't be that don't do that odd um yeah so i don't know there was a few other things like i get real tired of his greek mythology references too on top of his fucking uh and like any some of his like literary slips you know anything he slips in there is just like look i read a book Fucking did you? But why is it in your song? What did it have to do with uh, fucking? Uh, you know? I read it. <laughs> did you catch the reference? I, I think. You know, <laughs> it was there. I mean, I saw it. Fucking. So, uh, what's the? Yeah, yeah. The. It's it's. Did you listen to that? I think it was a Mount Erie album. The microphones, Mount Erie. Yeah, know. yeah, yeah. It reminded me a lot of that. Um, the one, well, the one he wrote about his dead wife. Yeah, but that one was like really sad. <laughs> and this well, one and make me sad. Sufjan's storytelling narrative is like is like sweet, even when it's like he's sad in this album and like the, his other albums. Like a lot of the recent people have like beef with him. And I, my poetry professor, I remember, was like. This guy's lyrics are so precious and obnoxious. Give me um, uh, boys and girls in America, you know, like give me in the replacements, like give me a, a band with some chops telling me something and singing me something like, I mean, Mount I, Erie is, he's, I, that dude's I, I, way more poetic, like dark and his are like direct lyrics like my wife is dead it hurts my wife is dead you know it's yeah. like talking about how yeah. his mom saw him through the the mesh of a door you know and that's like some sort of probably metaphorical reference to the fact that he remembers this memory and she's passed now you know like right it's a different 
he wants you to be like, oh, VHS tapes, you know, nostalgia, sadness of the remembered past. And this other dude's like, my wife is dead and life is hard and this is real. We can't talk about it through pictures and images. Like, all right, buddy, that's. I, I should. Right. Uh, by the but, as far as like when we talk about Sufjan Stevens and me not necessarily liking Sufjan Stevens, the microphones and Mount Erie is my thing. I. Dig, dig that guy's stuff. So that's that is where there is a disconnect for being able to really latch on to um, the talent that that Sophie and Stevens exert. Very, very, very talented individuals. Just not my bag. Uh, the the whole the whole uh, like when he like man, when he talks about God when he and he does the sad songs and he does. The picky songs or the piano songs, all of it, I hear it, and I'm like, I think I'm just going to put on Nick Cave and feel <laughs> real emotions, you know? <laughs> Fucking, instead of, like, this passive thing that Sufjan's doing to me, but uh, it's just different sides of the grass, I guess. So, uh, yeah, it's it's a fucking sad folk song, sad folk album. I don't know what else to say about that. It, it, yeah, it's 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 pared back after all of the other stuff. I mean, it's probably more it, more in tune and in line with the Seven Swans album in terms of like being less instrumentation and more like focus on like guitar, banjo related lead lines without a lot. I mean, there's little things happening that are interesting, but it's still like meant to be toned back. And then it, it's I think that he does a good job of being like. Every song on that album is Casimir Pulaski Day from Illinois, which for me is one of the, is one of the songs that uh, that he wrote earlier on in his career, which I think most people will reference, which is a song about a kid's two kids falling in love and one of them dying of Dying. bone cancer. Like, I feel like that's the whole album. And and many people think Casimir Pulaski is probably the best song off of that album. Maybe he's ever written. So that's funny. Um, Let me tell I, you about I, that. I couldn't listen to that one all the way through. Oh, really? And I tried multiple times because I listened to, you know, the discography multiple times because I had to to make the notes. But, but uh, <laughs> yeah, no, there, I can't, and I can't, I wish I would have made a note about what it was in that song. There's something like right about like a minute in, some lyric where I just go, all right, and then I skip. I mean, he's, he, the song is like, um, at one point they like get caught kissing and the father drives his car over to like, like threatens him and then he runs away. There's him crying in the bathroom at like the 4-H um, and him like being the sad and, like, and then like, Dude, and like he does, he does, he, he like, it's like him like standing over her dead body, a bird hitting a window. Like there's some like straight up, like in poetry class, he would have gotten panned hard for like, yeah, okay, we get it. She's dead, you know? Um, but like still that's, that's sort of, I mean, that's sort of the point of the song. And also like he has a penchant for melodrama, like, Right. I mean, he's melodramatic oh, a in a lot bit, of his music. Yeah. And that's like, I think that's a part of his device. So like, you'd like it or you don't. And in that case, like, it's still like, for me, like, pretty. And that's, I love that song. I, I can sing the whole thing. But uh, yeah. that's cool. what, that, that's the whole album. That's all of Carrie and Lola. Just that whole one track all the way through. It's <laughs> like, emotionally. <laughs> so um, there's a break. Comes out with some piano compositions that just mention them real quick offhand because it's for some 
the, the, the catalog. The ballet. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're interesting. They're nicely. Whoever musician is playing it plays them well. Um, what, what am I? Aporia. That's mm-hmm. what's next, right? Uh, yeah. 2020 is it? We're so we're we're into the pandemic now. Oh. Uh, where I think that the, I think that came out like in the beginning of 2020. Though. Just just before, right yeah. before, yeah. Like I think that was being worked on the year before. That's with his uh, stepdad. Right. Interesting. 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 Um. Fun little personal piece. I feel like. Um. Definitely honing in on the ability to use these synthesizers. I, I feel like maybe he found. Some analog, some new analog synthesizers to bring into the mix, or ways to record his synthesizers that made it have much more of that lush feel that you get from ambient new wave albums uh, from like the, uh, that that style of ambient. I'm talking space music. Uh, yeah, yeah, heavily experimental moves, and and not just I program some saw waves in my fucking computer or whatever, you know. Um, they said the influences, and I need to bring this up, I feel like this put out there real quick, because if anybody goes and looks at the Wikipedia, which kind of start, you know, something, one of the, they said it was influenced by Enya and Boards of Canada, which, okay, I, I hear that, I get you, I get you, that's cool, and they even said that it was supposed to be like a new wave album, it wasn't supposed to be ambient, it was supposed to be new wave, and when I think that's like, okay, okay yeah, there's cheesy synthesizers and maybe some like weird drums kind of worldy drums or something um i get it cool let's go and th- but then they say and and i'm only doing this because and this is Sophia's fault this is unless whoever did the wikipedia just put it out there a little better uh it was based on the blade runner soundtrack which okay that's greek composer and i'm gonna say this wrong probably uh vangelis who's also played in this band called Aphrodite's Child back in the 70s, who made this prog rock masterpiece called 666. That is one of those fucking heady albums. Never fucking heard 666 on vinyl. Fucking smoke a fat fucking joint, eat some fucking mushrooms, and I hope you like prog from Greek. Greece, sorry, Greek. Fucking, uh... Then it says that the... Their, their, their next one was from uh, the soundtrack Under the Skin. That is Micah Levy or Mikachu? I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Or oh. the band Mikachu and the Shapes who are now known as Good, Sad, Happy, Bad. The Shapes are fucking amazing. And Micah yeah, Levy a- is fucking amazing. Um really undercrediting to just say that you were influenced by that fucking soundtrack when there's like a very serious musician behind this writing it off like that and then there's the soundtrack to heredity which is done by colin stetson who is a serious musician does not fuck around jazz experimental saxophone player shows up uh, plays with the national plays Bad, bad, I think Suff Jam's done something with Colin Stetson, maybe. But maybe it's I just he's in a satellite of bands that have fucked with Colin Stetson. He steps in. He played with Tom Waits and shit. Like, recorded. I mean, we're talking about, like, you are the saxophone player on these fucking albums. It's like a list of Tom Waits. Uh, so, interesting to see that they take from that. And what they do with it, 
it's there's hits and misses. I don't like the drums. About my only complaint. Um, I I think I think that album he he has a earlier on in the career, especially around the Age of Odds time period. He likes to do really hectic, bursting sounds that are just like the instrument. It's like when you know at the end of a jazz piece when people just start doing dissonant things together or at an experimental track. Like he does that a lot in his middle period phase. I think he does a lot more with pauses and silence in this this album. Like there's less of that hectic. Um, drums smashing together and strings rubbing together and all these sounds just cacophony blowing your eardrums out in one moment and then calming down again he does a lot more sort of slow building sparse um, movements through the music and that's I think a strength of this album absolutely with the occasional run in with weird electronic drums and the one song that has a vocal refrain yeah well Jarring. I think it's. I think that might be a, his single too. Hey, Runaway, was... the Runaway. It's like sort of. Yeah, maybe. yeah, yeah. yeah I think that was the single. Runaway? So that the runner. Yeah, that might be why he did that too. You know, because people love vocals. And selling a single that way, like, unfortunately, is a thing. You're 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 in it for Sufjan. You're not in it for experimental electronic music with Lowell Abrams or whatever. Right, but again, this is another one where I do um, a little rearranging or a little editing, removing a few songs. Um, could have had a really, really, really strong new wave synth composition. Like a, a, a very, very cool piece, but it comes out a little inconsistent again because... You get 60 minute jams. Yeah, and just like random fucking tracks every now. Hey, we got that one. We can still got space, right? I mean, if we sell it on a CD, <laughs> you know, you can uh, fit 120 minutes on these things. <laughs> yeah, that's the other, like. So does he do all double albums? Because 12 inch record, you can only hold like 42 minutes, 44 minutes. That you know, 20 some minutes per. It's just like. I guess that's kind of impressive, you know, if you're putting out two things of wax per every time you make a release. Okay, we're we're getting into the end here, and uh, this is weird because I really kind of think Ascension's a really good album. It's bloated and it's long. Oh, it's really long. It, it needs to be cut the fuck down. It's slow. It's low key. Um. Something about the production that he did here really works with his voice and really cuts out a lot of the fucking annoyances. And he made a really good straight-up pop album. Dark, like a dark pop album. The critics didn't like it that much. Said it was like a 7, gave it like a mid, like it was like, okay, get that. Because it is flattening of his sound, but I think it shows a really good restraint and that he has learned how to manipulate those electronic sounds in a way that I am very interested to hear what would happen next. Um, I was interested to get to this album, too. Because Robert, you said you hadn't listened to it much. Perry, you said that towards the end of the career was when you thought it was getting good. Mm. Or better. Better. So, yeah. uh, Ascension uh, actually was really interesting to me. Um, yeah, I don't know. 
Like it's it's one of those scenarios where I'm just like, it wasn't terrible. Um, not something that I would normally keep listening to, but it, of everything listening prior, it was definitely one of the ones where it was like, um, I didn't, I don't think I skipped any tracks. I think I actually was able to listen to that one all the way through. So double thumbs up for that. Yeah, yeah same. That was, yep. One of the first ones I think where I didn't necessarily need to skip any tracks. I'm even scrubbed through. Like I didn't do it. I think this one I played all yeah, the way through. It gets, it gets boring. It, it definitely it, gets boring. It does drag a bit, um, but not like I don't know. Like he, it, it hits a thought... few things differently than previously. That um, again, I don't have to drag through and. Uh, I don't know. This one was tough, man. Don't burst his left hand. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Robert, you went back to it. But... I I thought the first half was weak. I thought the first half. I think the first half has a couple of the singles on it. Don't die on us, Perry. Oh man. Uh, the 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 first three or four tracks I thought were sort of a little more standard fare for like pop music in general, not Suff Jam, but like verse chorus verse structure and sort of I would agree. like uh, like droney straightforward sing song tracks which is fine but were sort of boring to me and then the back half of the album and maybe after track three or four i can't remember exactly where it turns but i was like oh okay so i heard some of these singles like video game like video game i think is sort of cheesy and hammy um but you get into that back half and it starts getting more interesting and it's it it's still, I feel like I, this album is still like, like a lot more hold chords. Like it's like, you know, sort of a, a drone that's floating along with some embellishment and flourish flourishes in the background. But towards the end, he really like leans into the flourish more. And America happens. That's actually the other single off of the album is America, which is, I think, a great 12 minute song. But it's a 12 minute song. It's the last song on the album. Mm-hmm. I, maybe it's just me and I like 12 minute Suff Jan songs, but... I don't mind. I was gonna say I don't mind long songs, but man, this I, guy. I mean, I'm not saying you guys, and, and and I know you guys. When we were doing a pod music podcast, you obviously are interested in all sorts of things and long. But, I mean, for, but for me as a Suff Jan fan, I I have a tendency to like his longer songs. Like I like all delighted people. The first version, the classic rock version, is funny. I like. Um, America as a single and I thought that that was a ballsy ass thing to do is make that the first single that was the first single off the album and then he released video game which is to me more straightforward and like more of a palatable yep. pop song for most people yep. um, but the back half felt more like an experimentation like America was so and more a little more rambling which you know to me can be sometimes his strength but it, it it has more movement in the back half. I thought it was an all right album. I need to I need to actually give it like three listens. You know, I know all the the rest of his catalog a hundred times. So, and settling in ascension next to convocation made it so that I can't hold all of those sounds in my head at once. You know, convocation's two and a half hours and it has similar electronic flourishes. It's more experimental, but. 
And that's when everything fucked up. In case anybody's wondering why I sounded so funny in this recording and why all of a sudden I'm just cutting in and talking to you, it's because we had massive technical difficulties that erased my track and uh, cut everything short. So um, basically what Robert was saying there was that, you know, Convocations is a, it's a decent album. It's worth listening to. For me, it was one of the easier things by Sophie and Stevens to listen to. And everybody pretty much agreed that Obviously, Sufjan Stevens is not worse than 311. Very, very talented artist that it might not be for everybody. Next week, tune in and we will be talking about big and rich. So I'll just, you know, eat all my words about fucking Sufjan Stevens on that one because there's no way big and rich is better than Sufjan Stevens. This is going to be absolute torture. So until then... This is Is It Worse Than 311, signing off.